0: claps and cheers could be heard coming from the hotel you wait outside in the shadows deep calming breaths beads of sweat form on your face your hand in your pocket grips the point .22 caliber gun deep calming breaths again the claps and cheers grow louder the target was coming a voice calls mr president this is it this is the moment You pull the gun out, close your eyes, and fire, not once, not twice, but six times. Screams erupt. You try open your eyes, but as you do, a blow hits you from the side. Down to the ground you go. Pressure mounts on top of you. Deep, calming breaths. It's over, and she will know who you are now. This was John Hinckley Jr and this is the good, the bad and the pure evil. John Hinckley Jr. would become known for his attempted assassination of the then US President Ronald Reagan. He would wound Reagan, a police officer and a secret service agent. He would also critically wound a press secretary who was permanently disabled from the shooting and would die 33 years later from the injuries. Hinckley would be found not guilty by reason of insanity and would be placed in psychiatric care for 30 years. Public outcry would come leading to the Insanity Defense Reform Act of 1984. This act would change the rules for consideration of mental illness of defendant in federal cor- criminal court proceedings in the US. 2016, a judge would release Hinckley as he was no longer a threat to himself or others. Sir John Warnock Hinckley Jr. was born May 29, 1955 in Ardmore, Oklahoma. His family were super rich, and at the age of four, they all moved to Dallas, Texas. After graduating in 1973, the family who owned Hinckley Oil Company moved to Evergreen in Colorado, the new headquarters for the company. Hinckley would attend Texas Tech University from 74 to 80. He wasn't a great student and would eventually drop out. In 1975, he would go to LA to be a songwriter, or more so, attempted to be a songwriter. He wasn't successful. He would lean on his parents with pleas for money. He would make and tell of a life of glory, even having a girlfriend he called Lynn Collins, all of which were a lie. September 1976, he moved back into his parents'. Late 70s, early 80s, Hinckley started to buy and collect weapons, a lot of weapons. Hinckley would be prescribed antidepressants and tranquilizers to deal with his emotional issues. The movie Taxi Driver will come out in 1976. It's about a man called Travis Bickle, who plots to assassinate a presidential mm-hmm. candidate. Hinkley would become obsessed with the movie. The movie is loosely based on the diaries of Arthur Bremer, who tried to assassinate George Wallace. In the movie, there would be an actress called Jodie Foster, who Hinkley became infatuated with. Jodie attended Yale, and Hinkley would move to New Haven for a while to follow and stalk her. Hinkley would send Jodie love letters and poems. He would call her and leave her messages. Jody would obviously ignore these advances, which annoyed Hinckley. So he fantasized about hijacking a plane or committing suicide right in front of her to have her finally see him. The plane and suicide idea was a no-go. So his next idea was to assassinate the president, making him infamous, and so an equal to Jody. The president was Jimmy Carter at the time. Hinkley followed him state to state, eventually being arrested in Nashville for firearm charges. Stone broke he went back home, and even with treatment for depression, his mental health issue worsened. His new target would be President Ronald Reagan in 1981. To make sure he achieved assassination this time, he read up on the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Before he tried to kill President Reagan, he would write to Jodie. It would say, over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems, letters and love messages in the faint hope that you would, could develop an interest in me. Although we talked on the phone a couple of times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you and introduce myself. The reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. So March 30th, 1981 would be the day. At half two that afternoon, Hinckley shot a 0.22 caliber revolver six times at Reagan as he was leaving the Hilton Hotel in Washington, DC. Reagan was there to address the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organization Conference. Hinckley would wound police officer Thomas DeLaty and Secret Service Tim McCarthy. He would also critically wound Press Secretary James Brady. Now, Hinckley would not hit Reagan directly, but Reagan was badly wounded by a bullet that ricocheted off the presidential limo, hitting him in the chest. A Labour official, Alfred Antenucci, would be standing next to Hinckley when he fired. Alfred would hit Hinckley on the head and pull him down to the ground. Seconds later, Agent Dennis McCarthy threw himself onto Hinkley, his goal was to have Hinkley alive and not another Lee Harvey Oswald. Another Labour official Frank McNamara would start punching Hinkley in the head, hitting him over and over until drawing blood. Press Secretary Brady was shot on the right side of his head, the injury would remain for life and make him paralyzed on the left side of his body. Brady would die on August 4, 2014, and his death would be ruled a homicide, even though he was shot 33 years before. So in 1982, Hinckley's trial happened. He was charged with 13 offenses on June 21st. Hinckley was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Psychiatric reports done by the defense showed him as insane, while the prosecutor's reports leaned on the legally sane side. August 18, 1982, he is transferred to his psychiatric care. After the shooting, Hinckley would write, the greatest love offering in the history of the world. He also added that he is very disappointed that Jodie Foster didn't give back such love. The verdict shocked the world. Because of it, the US Congress and states looked at the laws regarding the defendant using the insanity defense. Now, Idaho, Montana and Utah would get rid of the defense completely. Before Hinckley, the insanity defense would be used less than 2% of all felonies. It was unsuccessful 75% in these trials. So with the shock and outcry from Hinckley plea and verdict, the Insanity Defense Reform Act 1984 happened. This will alter the rules for consideration of mental illnesses of defendants in federal criminal court cases. Changes in federal and some state rules of evidence laws have since now allowed testimonies of expert witnesses like psychologists or psychiatrists that could lend to an insanity defense case. But this is only in a few states. Vincent Fuller would be Hinckley's attorney he would claim Hinckley was schizophrenic. Park Dietz was a forensic psychiatrist for the prosecution. He would claim Hinckley as narcissistic, schizopersonality disorder and dysthymia. At the hospital, he would be treated for narcissistic and schizotypical personality disorder and major depressive disorder. Hinckley was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C. Tests were conducted and he was found to be unpredictable, dangerous, who may harm himself and or others. So around 1987 Hinckley would request through the courts to be allowed to visit his home from time to time. The courts were open to the idea but under the condition that his hospital room be searched first. In his room they found photos of Jodie Foster, and letters to her, showing his obsession was still strong. They also found letters that he exchanged with Ted Bundy, and he also wanted to contact with Charles Manson, mainly because he inspired Lynette Forman to kill President Ford. With all this, the courts thought it best to deny his requests. In 1999, he was also he was allowed to leave the hospital and visit his parents once supervised. By the following year, the hospital will allow unsupervised, but a month after this, it was removed. September 2005, court hearings would be held on expanding privileges. December 30th, 2005, a federal judge would rule to allow visits supervised by his parents to their home in Virginia. The judge ruled three visits of three days or nights, then increased to four, depending on if successful. The experts there would all agree that Hinckley's depression and psychotic disorder were dealt with or being dealt with, and he should have some expanded on his release. 2007, Hinckley would request more freedoms. This included two one-week visits with his parents and a month-long visit. The judge, who was Judge Freeman, would deny this on June 6, 2007. June 17, 2009, the same judge ruled for the visits to his mother And of a dozen of ten days at a time. He was also allowed more outside time outside the hospital and could have a driver's license. He would be required to have a GPS enabled cell phone to track him once outside his parents' home. He also was not allowed to speak to the news or the media. Prosecutors would object, stating Hinckley was a danger to others and was inappropriate towards women. Hinkley would write songs. Such a song was called Ballad of an Outlaw. Prosecutors would claim this song reflected suicide and lawlessness. March 2011, forensic psychologists at the hospital would say Hinckley has recovered and no longer poses a risk of danger to himself and others. March 29, 2011, just a day away from the 30th anniversary of the attempted assassination, Hinckley's attorney filed a court petition, asking for Hinckley to be freed. November 30, 2011, a hearing was done in Washington to consider if he could live a full time outside the hospital. The Justice Department were completely against it, stating he was a danger and that he was known to lie to his doctors in the past. By December 2013, the courts ordered visits to be extended He was permitted to up to eight 17-day visits with an evaluation after each. August 4, 2014, Press Secretary James Brady would sadly die. His death was ruled a homicide. Hinckley didn't face charges because he was found not guilty of the original crime by reason of insanity. Plus, with the death 33 years after the shooting, prosecution was barred under the Year and a Day Law. The law meant a debt couldn't be legally attri- attributed to acts or omissions that occurred a year and one day before the death. So July 27, 2016, a judge ruled Hinckley to be fully released because he was no longer considered a threat. He was released from institutional care on September 10, 2016, but there was many, many conditions. He had to live at his mother's full time. He had to work at least three days, leave a place immediately if he finds himself face to face with prohibited items, and to record his browser history. He also was prohibited from a lot. No alcohol, no firearms, no ammunition, no items related to Jodie Foster, no contact with families of the victims in the shootings, no watching or listening to violent material, no print or online porn, no access to online violent material, no speaking to the press, no visits to home of past or present presidential or government officials, no visits to their graves either, no driving further than 30 miles from his mother's home unattended or 50 miles attended, and no erasing of web browser history. The court ordered a risk assessment to be completed within 18 months of his release. It's unknown if it has ever been done. November 16, 2018, Judge Freeman ruled Hinckley could move into his own place once doctors approved the location. September 10, 2019, Hinckley's attorney announced they were seeking full, unconditional release. September 27, 2021, a federal judge approved this beginning June 2022. Today, Hinckley has his own YouTube channel, where he releases his own songs, with over 24,000 subscribers as of December 2021. Thanks for listening. Next time I'll be talking about Elie Wiesel, who was a Romanian-born American writer, professor, political activist, Nobel winner, and Holocaust survivor. Until then, this was the good, the bad, and the pure evil.